Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, thank you, band. Please put our hands together for the band. Exceptional as usual, nothing out of the ordinary. So I'll release everybody and, uh, yeah, grab a seat, everyone. And uh, thank you, Bruce, for always a, a very welcoming and encouraging um, introduction. And as uh, uh, Pastor Bruce was just saying, you know, like we've known Pastor Phil and Chris for a long time. And uh, I know Phil personally and have traveled with him many times around the world. Um, I'm in some ways his confidant. He tells me everything. I know everything about his world and his life. And uh, I'm a pretty down-to-earth person. And if it doesn't sit, I'm not present. So that's just basically I'm still here. So the reality is I know every aspect of how C3 operates, I can assure you. And um, uh, over the years, I have understand how Pastor Phil has, has operated at the highest level of integrity and, uh, and character. And same with Christine and the team and how everything is done. So, you know, I mean... Things will come, you know, there's, sorry, and I still, when I pray about it, the Lord just go, oh, it's storming a teacup. Storming a teacup, it'll come and go, you know, it's just good sensationalism TV, which lasts about three minutes. So um, we're not here today because of that. We're here because of someone who's given their life for us, and that's Jesus. And we build our church and churches around, other denominations around the world are gathering and praying because there's a greater cause than um, just being present, but actually it's having influence. And we, we spent yesterday afternoon just going through the whys, the hows, the what's, well, the whys didn't get any further to the water or anything else, but in the constructing of, you know, why we do what we do. And basically it's because we believe in not, not values of C3, we believe in the value of the kingdom and the value of what Jesus has done for us. So I'd love you to close your eyes. And Father, I thank you today that Thank you for sending your son Jesus to us and every single one of us here today that have had that relationship, that knowledge, that encounter. It has changed our life. It has given for some of us where there was no hope, there was no future, a way forward. And in Jesus' mighty name, we are so thankful. We are so thankful for what you have done giving us life. You didn't have to, but you did. And Jesus, you are the Lord of our life and we are so appreciative of what you have done and how much you have laid down for our lives. Thank you, Lord, for being the Lord of our life. Every single person ever born, breath comes into such a young life. At that moment, that very moment, that individual growing from childhood into adulthood, coming to a place where simply will go, I need someone greater than myself because we are created to have a relationship with the living, loving God, and that is you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Been informed, and obviously, Pastor Julie has been very thorough on this. Pastor Bruce, not as thorough. Um, <coughs> well, different giftings, obviously. Um, and I loved, I love it here because it is family, it's fun, you know, like. And as long as we've been coming, we always have fun. I can't remember going, oh, I never want to go back to that church. We love coming here, and it's because of the relationship of family. And to me, the honesty and openness and the reality, it's real. It's not a, a religious expression of veneer that occurs for an hour and a half on a Sunday, and then, no, no, it's, it continues on, and that's the way church should be, down to earth and exactly. What, what you see um, is basically what you get. That's what I do love about the genuineness of, 
of Bruce and Jules and, and the kids we've known for years and, and many of you in this church, but very appreciative of, of having that relationship and doing life together. And you've been talking about family in the last month or so on, release, rejoice, repair, resilience, all these great words. So I just thought I'd continue it on and I'm going to go recover. Move. Let's just keep it rolling right along when we talk about family and life. But then I thought, what the heck? Why doesn't this church just go for another 13 weeks and continue on the, with the R's? So I've come up with a few other thoughts. Restore, rectify, reiterate again. Remove, return, reconcile, reorganize, reappoint, rejuvenate, reorganize, reorder, reestablish, recalibrate. Oh, and then you hit 2020. I thought that was... Oh, anyway, I thought it was a good idea. It was great. Let's move right along. Thank you, Pastor Greg. Thank you for your suggestion, but no, thank you. I want to talk about the recover because in family life, stuff happens and, and we do need to recover our position in life. And I, I've really called this message just getting back on track. You need to be resilient in life. There needs to be that, that strength, that, that strength on the inside of us to push through sometimes. We know all that. We, we need to release things. We've got to hand things over. We know that. We've got to rejoice, and that's something that we forget about sometimes in challenging moments. Never lose the smile on your face. You can determine, I, you know, I, I say to the guys, I can work out where a church will go and according to where men are at sometimes. But one thing I can tell you when I look at the general population of church, I can tell you how its future will look, purely upon the faces of the people. And, you know, that's what I love about, I don't think I've ever seen you have a, like, you know, you've been sucking on a lemon for a day, Bruce. So like, you've always got a smile on your face, even in challenging moments. Same with Jules, same with the team. But again, it's an important part to actually know that you will get through things. And in family and relationships, you will get through stuff. You may not if you don't have a hope, a vision. That's where Jesus comes into it. As soon as he steps into our life, he starts to go, you know, it may be challenging, but you will get through. Sometimes when people go through some terrible scenarios in life, I think, how do you do it without a God, without someone greater than yourself? Because you can't do it that well on your own. Why do people's lives fall to where they get to the point of saying, look, I can't cope anymore, and they, the option is out, taking their life out, because they don't have anything else to look forward to get through. So to recover things is the important part. And I'm going to be talking from Luke 24, verses 13 through to 35, where it's a story of a couple of men who are very much a part of the vision, the dream, the hope of the future. They were one of the disciples that followed Jesus. But before I go to that story, I <clears throat> just want to remind you, because I'm going to be praying with people as I travel through here this morning, unpackaging this story. But, you know, Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is a gift of God. Who here has ever received at Christmas time possibly a gift that you would have thought the giver would have given more thought to? <laughs> We've all received those at some stage enough, right? Correct? You know, you get those gifts and it's all packaged up so you have no idea what it is and you're a little bit excited because it's around Christmas and it's like, wow, what's this going to be like? And then you peel back the packaging, the bow, the card, push that aside because it's all about the present. Pull it back and then you go, oh, that's interesting. 
you look at it, and it's like, wow, what is that? <laughs> or you think, why would you ever give me something like that? Has anyone received those? Well, one hand. Thank you very much. We all have at some stage in life received a gift, not necessarily that we would have thought, oh, I would have thought you knew me better. My father is a very nice man. He's passed away now. And, but for many years, and now kids used to always find this probably entertaining to a degree. But, you know, every year, like along the way, dad would give me a present, you know, like, and what would my father do? Who's known me for many years? But faithfully, he'd give us a present. But faithfully, every year, he would just give something, not necessarily, well, a lot of thought in his mind. But on the reciprocation of the present or what he, the gift you give every year, it's sort of like, and my dad was very stoic and sort of like, just a little something for you, son, <sighs> you know. And he'd give you, and you'd unpackage it. And after a few years, I got pretty used to what was coming, but. Here it is, and but he's sort of a semi-smile on his face and just a little something, and I'd unpackage it. And every year, faithfully, my dad would give me a bottle of whiskey. Problem is, I don't like whiskey and never drunk whiskey. <laughs> Why, Dad? Thanks. Wow, there's a lot. Oh, thanks, Dad. Yeah, just a little something. Yeah, just a little something. Ah, oh, that's nice. Hey, Dad, by the way, I don't drink whiskey. Oh, really? I must remember that. <laughs> Every year after that moment, I bring it to his attention. Unfortunately, just a little something. There it is again. <laughs> I just want to say today, this is for my own sense of entertainment, by the way, but really that God is in the business of giving us good gifts. Yeah. And sometimes we measure what we get at the moment, at the time, but beyond that, you know, when God gives us something, we might go, uh, but can I tell you, if God has given you something, we may not understand the gift at the time, but the benefit and the value of it will be outworked for the betterment of all in Jesus' name. God is not in the business of giving us something we do not want or will not improve our position in life. Even though it may be challenging, it happens in families. Stuff happens in families. It's not there in Christ, in God, in these moments of family, in relationships. Those challenging moments aren't there to disadvantage you. It's probably to sharpen the edge for your future. Just because it doesn't, isn't packaged the way you like or quite what you were wanting at the time, but it could be beneficial. Now, that doesn't endorse if you're a lover of whiskey. I'm sorry. <laughs> Does not improve you. I tell you, it'll probably do more damage if you choose to walk down that path. But you know, in the Luke, in the, the, the story, you know, which comes out of Luke 24, verses 13 to 35, and as I said, I'm going to walk through that, but I want to talk about to recover, to get back on track, you know, and you've spoken about you have to release things, you have to do all of that in life. But the reality is that one of the things which causes people the most amount of damage is disappointment. When you, yeah, oh, you know those moments can be small. They can be huge in our lives. Sometimes just stuff happens. And in relationships, things you're expecting or you would thought that they would be more understanding. You would have thought they would have been more supportive. You would have thought, but they're not. But how do you respond to that? And, you know, this story is a great story because it just shows you 
how Jesus, in our moments of disappointment, never gives up on us. Never. Irrespective of what is taking place in our world, in our families, in our life, in our churches, even in the media, something great will come out of this. Good things come out of sometimes not so great situations. God will be glorified, irrespective. These things aren't to pull down. These are to sharpen the edge of the church. These are the moments where the church will be stronger, will be, again, camaraderie, a greater strength. Yeah, it doesn't damage. People go, oh, that'll damage. No one. The reality is it'll bring a greater strength and a greater opportunity. Because that, all that says to me is that the enemy is trying to hold back or restrict that which he can foresee something greater happening. And that's the very purpose. When this happens, you go, must be right on track. You're either, when these things happen, so on track or so off track, you're going to miss it all together. But the reality is we are on track because, as I said, knowing Pastor Phil and Christine and the team and the vision and Pastor John and Danielle, we, the goal is to see lives have a relationship which improves people's future and their eternal position in life. That's what it's all about. These two men were traveling on a journey to a place called Emmaus. I was chatting to a, a friend uh, quite some time ago, and he's a psychologist, and he was saying, and we were just talking about different scenarios which happen in life, in people, in politics, in, in church sometimes, but you know, in, in the entertainment industry, in the sporting arena, of how all these great men and women, you know, at moments fall, you know, whether morally or they fall in their life. And he said, look, you know, Greg, over the years, and I said, what would be the most causative reason for some of these issues? He said, well, there's a number. But he said, there's one thing that keeps reoccurring in his experience, in his observations. He said, when disappointment is not resolved, it can be the very thing which keeps tripping people up, which causes them to trip out, remove themselves from the current position of relationship that they're in, remove themselves from the family, disappointment. And I love this story because this story is saying something very powerful. I'm coming down here because I know what I'm going to talk about. If I lose my way, I'll go back up there. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Bruce. I just needed a little bit of guidance. Friends, we're working in partnership. Yes. This story is about two men. These two men, by the way, were disciples, just not two men. They, all wanted, they were some of the disciples. And you can follow these, the verses of Scripture which I'm going to bring to you. And I'm going to actually go to the end of the story to bring a point which I believe is the beginning of the story. In verse 33 it says, And they went back to Jerusalem where the, the others, the eleven, were gathered. You see, this is the end of the story, but the eleven were still gathered together where these two had walked away from the eleven. They were a part of the eleven, as were many others. But because of that moment of disappointment, because this Jesus who they'd put all their hope, all their trust, they had followed, they had given up much to follow him. They believed in him. What they were believing, he would restore. He would repair. He would recover. So many things. They would saw that their nation would be restored, removed from Roman rule, reestablished as being the kingdom of God, a kingdom recognized by Yahweh, the great God. Hey, Rick, he said, he's the one. He's the chosen. He's the one. But then he went and got himself crucified. You've got to hate that when you're on a course and someone goes and gets themselves killed. 
can't understand it, don't understand it, doesn't make sense. He's come and everyone saw and everyone was saying, here's the one. Then he went and he got himself crucified. Then he walked away. Those men walked away. But back in Jerusalem, they left Jerusalem. Jerusalem is known as the city of peace, place of peace, position of power, power out of peace. They walked away from that position to a place called Emmaus. But they left, and my point is this. Don't give up on the house of God just because things don't quite align in your moment of challenge and disappointment. The 11 remained. They didn't lose their peace. They were, again, disappointed. They had no idea what or how or what was going to transpire. They had no knowledge that they go, you know what? Let's just stay together. The 11. Why did the 11 stay and the two leave? The 11 stayed because of, and I believe this is the most important factor here, is because of their proximity of relationship they had with Jesus. You see the 12, then 11, because obviously one bailed out. But the 11 were in close proximity on a more regular basis than these two. They were a part of the community of believers, disciples, yet they weren't that close. Can I tell you? In your challenging moment in life, what will hold you in place is that your closeness of proximity of relationship with Jesus himself. That's left up to you. But in that place, a simple thing like a prayer meeting, a simple thing like gathering on Sunday, it reignite it. It gives you some hope, some future to push through those challenging moments. Don't give up on the house of God just because of your moment of disappointment. This is a family, as Pastor Bruce has said. We are a family. We are C3. And it basically is saying we are family whether we're here. I, I'll be in Brazil in April. I'll be back in Malaysia beginning of the year, back in Bangkok. I'll be around our nation. Where I go, our values are the same. Because we believe the church has been established to help and reestablish hope in people's lives in their moment of disappointment and lead them to the knowledge of the person of who Jesus is, which is the way forward. That's what C3 stands for. These two men walked away because of their closeness of proximity of a relationship with Jesus. These two men walked away because they had not been as close or as, as closely knitted together in relationship with one another. The 11 and 12 hung out longer, more often. Can I tell you? The whole concept of connect is basically helping you stay connected midweek. So it's church, midweek, prayer meeting, connection moments. The, the more you have connecting with Jesus, we know that, but connecting with one another. Oh, I don't need church. I'll just do it on my own. Well, sorry to say it, your stuff. Pardon the expression. I'm a very Aussie boy. I don't think it's a bad word, but anyway. You've got to stuff a chicken. You've got to do lots of things. So all of those things. But in life, the reality is that your life is not looking bright or, or hopeful because you don't really have a community to get through. And even when you think Jesus has gone missing, he has. He's gone die. He's gone missing. They still hang out together. They were there because of the closeness of proximity of relationship with Jesus during that time. They were in because they were in closer connection and more regular contact with one another. You can't do church. You can't do Jesus. You can't do your Christianity alone. 
Oh, I'm just going to do my thing. Sorry. You're going to look like a chicken sitting on a table at the end of the day. The second thing, just to help everyone out, just to break some religious line of thinking. Tegan. Hey, Tegan. Honey, I felt like, close your eyes for me. Lord, I want to pray for Tegan right now in Jesus' name. You are doing this, Lord, not me. You are doing this. But some of those issues of disappointments going way back. Yeah, 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 it's okay. Lord, I know that today you want to put in place and rectify some of those areas where disappointments still try to pull her to the left and to the right. In Jesus' name, by your supernatural power, by your life, by your life, you will realign her life correctly, that the disappointments of yesterday shall no longer have a hold of her current position and a future. In Jesus' name, amen. And you shall restore people who have gone through moments of disappointment because you shall, and the words in which the Lord give to you at that moment in that time will be timely for their future. Two, walk away. Where do they go? They go to a place called Emmaus. What is Emmaus? Well, Emmaus is, and the word Emmaus itself means place of comfort, like warm springs. It's like a spa. I mean, you know, oh, hard day. Oh, flick it, I'm going to the spa. I'm going to get a massage, hot in a hot tub. Relax. Anyone thought like that? I think like that all the time, but Bruce never says, oh, we should go to the spa. <laughs> never heard that ever. Probably for good reason. Not likely to either. But you know what I'm saying? You want to go somewhere where you feel you can be relaxed. You see, in moments where you have been disappointed, all that you had believed for has been taken from you. You will look for somewhere where you can, oh, I'm just chilling out. Look, I just need a break. It's even like people go, I oh, didn't work here. I'm going to move there. You know, people move like, it's not happening here. I'm going to go there. Can I tell you, by moving all over the countryside never resolves your problem. You have to resolve the issues on the inside. They may be outworked on the outside, but they need to be resolved on the inside. What I've seen in life, what I've experienced, what I know, is that when you want to, oh, it's a bad situation, I'm going to go over here. Oh, I didn't work in this church, I'll go to that church. Oh, I didn't work in this family, I'll go to that family. You know, we do all this, that's a life. But the fact is, what I find, you go, it's like a holiday. Wow, so good. New place, I'll set up new job. Oh, I feel so good. Then suddenly, two weeks later, all the things you left behind have an incredible habit of being re-delivered to your new location. And I hate that. It lasts about two weeks. Why do people always move? They're nomadic in their Christianity, nomadic in their relationships. Why? Because they think by removing themselves, they get away. No, no, no. Your past will track you down. Your past is like a good sniffer dog. North, here they are. Ah, there you are. They're coming. Deliver here. Our bag didn't turn up on Friday. It was left in Sydney. And the ladies quietly said, some monkeys left it behind. I thought, well, why are you using monkeys on putting bags on planes? I'd rather use human beings myself. It did turn up, but we had to go out and probably, thank you very much for putting out, Julie smelled okay, but I was just checking myself at dinner, keeping my arms tight. It's been a long, busy, hot day. 
Stay with me, please. I don't only have a few minutes. Stay with me. <laughs> they leave Jerusalem. They leave the position of gathering, the place of power, the place of peace. They walk to a place called Emmaus. They're going there just like, oh, I'm just going to chill. We just need to chill out. We need to just get away. But they're also going to Emmaus, and Emmaus was a, a town which was well known that a lot of uh, insurrectionists, those who were, were people who were gathering and plotting and planning to, again, to pull down Roman rule, that they would, this is one of the towns they had gathered. So they're going to a place, for, a place for comfort. They're going to a place like, well, we've lost this leader. We've lost that hope, that plan. Let's go find another one. They were going to another city to find a new leader, a new community, a new vision, a new way forward. Fascinating, isn't it? See, if you're not closely connected enough, you'll keep looking for somebody because we're all looking for somebody. And the unfortunate past that someone we, we've missed at the beginning is we need somebody greater than ourselves. Then you find community. Then you find leaders who lead and give you vision in the context of church and future. So they head there. And then I love that, that again, as they're walking along, Jesus just suddenly rocks up. He just rocks up. I love that. Rels, how you going? Always good to see you, Rels. Norell is a name. I've known her for many years. I call her Rolls because I've known her for many years. <laughs> They're walking along. Jesus just rocks up. Pretty sure it says in Hebrews, I think it's 13, 5, something like that. It said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. In Deuteronomy 36, oh, sorry, 31 verse 6, I'm pretty sure it says something like this. Be strong and courageous, for I've never given up on you, and I'll always walk with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you, nor irrespective. You, your man, or your family. He doesn't pay a price of life for no reason at all. Never think anything differently in Jesus' name. They're just walking along, you know, it's like, wow. I love that little story too, is that Julie and I were talking about this this morning at breakfast, that again, he... He, in Luke, you know, you can see in 15, can't look at my notes, don't have time. It's, you'll check it out yourself. It's a story of where the shepherd loses one of the hundred. One wanders off. He leaves the 99. Why can he leave them? Because they're in community. They're together. You see, Jesus knows when the church is together, there's strength enough in the number by the gathering that, okay, I can go look for the one because I have confidence that this crowd, they'll hold it together. That's church. That he wanders off and gets the one. And it says he finds the one that was lost. And in doing that, he picks this up. And I said to Julie this morning, I said, he just doesn't go, hey, there you are, you little tacker. Come on, let's come back. Come on, come on, come on. People wander off. And sometimes I had this thought. They wander off and go, no, I wandered off for good reason. Bye. It says, and he picks up the sheep and puts the sheep over his shoulder, he secures it, he carries the weight of the sheep 
to take the sheep back. And let me tell you, when you are in relationship with Jesus, you could be pulling away. He's going to pick up your life, your burden, your challenge, your disappointment, and take you back to the rightful place, even though, no, I don't want to go. Exactly right. Come on. Come on. Back here. He goes, no, that'll never work. Let's do it this way. Boom. Back home. Love that. Cast your burdens upon the Lord. Your burdens is He's willing to carry our burdens, our disappointments for that season in life. Love that. And as he, he just suddenly appears. And then as he appears, it says they didn't recognize him. But hang on, you've been hanging with him for a long time. I mean, look at Dave's face. <laughs> Only a face a mother could love too. Sorry. Oh, slipped out. I didn't mean that, Dave. Didn't mean that. It's not, it's not. It's a face that... Your mother and a couple of others could love anyway, but it doesn't matter. Come on, moving right along. He doesn't forget people. And in that, in that moment is that why couldn't they see? Well, I guess they weren't expecting. Yeah, partly right. They're not expecting to see someone who's gone and got themselves killed and dead. You're not expecting to see, oh, hi, how are you? what happened there? They didn't have that revy yet. So they didn't get their part. But you know what? Proven fact. Scientifically proven. Disappointment, and a friend of mine, the same gentleman who I was chatting with, he said, when disappointment gets into the fabric of our thinking, no matter what you're looking at, it will be distorted. Clarity will not be there. The neurological pathways will be interrupted that you can't see it correctly. You'll be looking at it and not see it. Why doesn't Mary, the one who loved Jesus, who, who turned up at the tomb, the other disciples didn't, why didn't she still didn't see him? Wasn't the Lord was covering her eyes that she could not see? No. Our own disappointments shielded us from seeing the reality. Can I tell you, disappointment will distort the reality of your situation. You must break the power. We'll do that in just a moment. They're walking along. They don't recognize him. And then he says this. I love it. What are you guys talking about? What? You're God. You know everything. What's wrong with you? No, no. You know, what are you chatting about? Then they go, whoa, where have you been? You read the story yourself later. They say, where have you been? I mean, come on. You've been, have you met, hello? And then they go, and, well, he was a great, and we had hoped. And, you know, you can read yourself. They had hope. They had everything. But because everything in their mind had been taken away, they couldn't see who it was. But Jesus says, what are you talking? Why does he do that? Julia, my background in, 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 was in mental health. For me, you probably realize and understand why we were involved in that. Julia was the very sound one. <laughs> my life was a little bit interesting. But in there, the psychology of life and so many people, oh, hey, poo-hoo, psychology, etc. Can I tell you, psychology is out of the Bible. Predominantly, a, a lot of the actual principles of psychology is in the Word of God. There's a few very distorted individuals who played with it. We know who they are and don't have time to go into them. But the reality is psychology, Jesus is the greatest psychologist on the planet. And what does he do? He goes, hey guys, what are you talking about? He just didn't want to 
catch up on the latest gossip, what was going back on in Jerusalem with the disciples? Oh, what was he doing? He was being the greatest psychologist on the planet by simply getting them to articulate their pain. Can I tell you, unless you articulate your pain, don't shove it down. Unless you articulate it, get it out, it'll destroy you. It says in the Bible, you know, things unresolved on the inside, anger, all of these, it destroys you from the inside out. A lot of the things we suppress were never meant to suppress. These two guys needed to speak out and say, this is what happened. We were hoping and he was and he They needed to get out their disappointment. Can I tell you, the way to recover, to repair, to restore, to release, to do all of those things in relationship and family is on the basis that you speak it out. Find someone, a friend you can trust to communicate and get that stuff out of you. Because if it stays on the inside, it destroys you. And you can go, I'm trying everything. God, God, he goes, don't come to me. I've given you the power and the person. And I've surrounded you with people that you need to communicate it out. The Catholic Church had it right in that area, can I tell you? You know, there's a few other areas I got wrong. But I'm saying they got it generally right. He said, we need to confess Get it out. Confessions, get it out of your system so that in psychology, a greater portion of your healing starts over 50% because you articulate. Get it out of your life. Very quickly, stay with me. We'll come to a moment, and I want it at the closing moment of this service when we stand up. And until you feel you have done this, do not stand up. You could be here for a long time. But anyway, I want us to, at that moment, stand up and say, Greg, I'm going to stand because I'm letting go. I'm putting down the disappointments of yesterday, of that family relationship, of that what I believe is going to happen, that, that belief or hope financially. And watch how your business is going to turn around radically in the next six months. But in this moment, don't hold on to things from yesterday and walk out of here with the same things. Isn't that right, Dave? Leave them behind. Unfortunately, he is still just forgiving me. Yesterday, I called him John. I had a John moment in my head. Sorry, Dave. That's it. There, yeah, disappointment, but you can leave it today. Let down that moment of disappointment at the men's breakfast. We can get stuck on stuff, can't we? Little relational things. Dave's very forgiving, so I have no problems of bringing that to everybody's attention. The reality is that, you know, I want at the close of this for us to put down our disappointments. Now, things don't disappoint you. People do. Even our disappointments in God. But if he doesn't give up on you, he wants us to articulate. Very quickly, moving along, they're chatting, they're chatting, and then he starts unpackaging all that had happened. He starts using the Word of God, Scripture, to help them begin to see They're walking along. I love how Jesus does this. They're walking along. As they're walking along, what happens? He says, and in intending to keep on going, they go, oh, no, come with us. Oh, I thought you. I never thought you'd ask. Thank you. (laughs) It says, looking like he was going to continue, but all he was hoping for was for them to say, no, whoever you are, come with us. You see, Jesus is powerless without the point of invitation. 
You can try everything on the planet. I'm sorry, you can use even the psychological aspects, all that which I've spoken about. But you see, it's a process. But unless you invite him to step in, you can hear all the correctness of the process of correctiveness never ultimately brings the final completeness of letting go. So he goes in. Why? Because you see, he was using the word of God to stir something in their life again. Come to that in a moment. I'll draw it to a close. I know I say that a few times, but when I get to about number five, it is pretty close. <laughs> they go inside. They sit down. As they're sitting down, what do they do? They have a meal together. I love that. You know, the house of God is not just let's have another 335 meetings. It's let's have another dinner together. You get hang out with Bruce and Julie. Oh, I go home so fat. I feel like I've eaten so much. I've eaten. Why? Because we are constantly at the table together, celebrating last night, yesterday, lunch, lunch. I mean, I love that. Not good for me, though. That's why I can only come once a year. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to look very round. But the beauty is, don't you love the moments of celebration together around the table, not in another meeting together? We need to gather. So we are one. We are strong. It's a celebration. That's why the concept of connect is so important in the house of God. Just getting together. Not unpackage the scriptures, but enjoy the moment of being with other people in small church, in big church. I sit down and they... He gets the loaf of bread, and this is powerful. I said to Bruce this morning, I got another great message out of this little moment, and says, and then Jesus broke the bread. Prior to that, their eyes couldn't see who it was. Broke the bread. No. He gave thanks. Then he broke the bread. Then their eyes were opened. Thankfulness precedes the breaking and the releasing of the things you cannot see because disappointment have blinded you to those things. Breaks. That's what's going to happen in just a moment. Soon. I'm closing in just a moment. (laughs) I'd like to keep you well informed. And it says at that moment, their eyes were open. Jesus was sharing the word with them. Did it not say, did it not say, did it not say. You see, Jesus doesn't move away from what he knows helps us. He was bringing to their attention the importance and the power of the word of God. And then I love this because this really ties it all together. And it is my closing point. Is that they said, he breaks the bread. Sorry, yes, thanks. He breaks the bread. And at that moment, their eyes are open. The work is done. He's off. He's back. He's gone for the one. He's restored. Now he's going back and continue on. Because there are others still at that point who had not yet had the encounter. Then he flips over to Peter. Flips over here. He's, he's all over the place. He doesn't miss anybody. But it was the word of God and what Jesus was trying to bring to their attention. For you to feel the power of connectedness, of oneness, of family. It came because they... He unpackaged the word of God. It says, did not our hearts burn within us when he shared the scriptures? You see, what will happen, the word of God, the gathering together will hold us 
The Word of God sustains us because the Word of God reinvigorates, reignites the passion. And then slowly things begin to break from our life because of that moment. Never give up on the house of God. Never give up on meeting together. Never give up on the Word. The Word of God is an important part of creating and igniting that. Articulate your pain and disappointment. Find someone to articulate the disappointment. Get it out. No, and be totally reassured. He never gives up on you. Never gives up on you. Don't believe any other thing because if you believe something else, it's not in the Word of God and it's not the way our God works. And if you just hang together, that thing will be broken off your life in Jesus' name. Amen. Close your eyes. And as we close our eyes, as the musicians come forth, but I want all the musicians just to be standing there with their eyes closed as well. Because I want every single person in this place, including myself, I want our PA operators, I want our musicians, I want every single one of us to have our eyes closed. Because I don't want this to be a moment of an opportunity when God's going to place the gift of release and releasing you from some of those painful disappointment moments in your life. It happens because you choose. With every eye closed, I want you to identify where you are in that relationship with Jesus here today. For some of you may have never made that decision to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I don't know, but you know. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, not to me, but to him to say, Jesus. I've heard this message today. My eyes are beginning. My eyes are open to the possibility of what you can do. So you may have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Or maybe you have. And for whatever reason, you've stepped away from that relationship with Jesus, possibly because of disappointment, possibly because of somebody, something happened. I want you in just a moment to raise your hand. And at the conclusion and closure of this service, I want every single person in this place to know that my life My life is one with His life because He is the Lord of my life. Jesus is just waiting for the invitation to say, Jesus, step into our world. So right now, if you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, or if you have and you stepped away, I want you to raise your hand right now. Just raise your hand in this place. Just say, Pastor Greg, that's me. Just lift your hand and say, that's me. Thank you very much, madam. Just somebody else here wondering whether you should. He sees your hand. Thank you for raising it. Just one other person here. This is a man, by the way. He will never make you do anything you never choose to do. It is always your your decision. And in just a moment... We're going to remain seated, but we're going to pray this prayer together. 
just that lady who raised her hand, just look at me one more time. I just want to say he saw your hand. And we will all pray this prayer with you, in agreement with you here today. Just everybody remain seated. Repeat after me, Lord Jesus, I give you my life so that I may be known by you. And today, Lord, I am one with you. I am recovered. I am restored. I am forgiven. I am saved. In Jesus' name. Second thing, I told you this is the fifth closure. As we are seated, I want you to identify those disappointments of the past. As they say, it's never things, it's usually people. But I want you to leave behind in this auditorium those disappointments that have crept into your world, into your relationship, into your family. I want you to identify them. So in just a moment, as you have identified those disappointments and you have made a decision, I do not want to walk out of this auditorium with those disappointments. I want to leave them behind. Give him the power of the opportunity to break the power of disappointment. As soon as you have identified and have made that decision, I'm going to leave it behind. Just stand up. You stand up. As soon as that, that's it, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to, at the end of this service, I'm going to walk away from those disappointments. May take some a little longer. If you have personally reconciled and can honestly say, yep, no, there's no disappointment of the past hindering me, you can stand. But I want every single person not to capture this moment as a service but as one of the greatest opportunity to leave behind and walk away from the disappointments of yesterday, last year, or from your past, that you can establish yourself with the fullest of confidence, being confident of this, the good work the Lord started in me, He shall bring it to completion because I choose to leave behind those disappointments in Jesus' name. And Father, right now, through the power of the name and the person of Jesus Christ, and Jesus, because of your death upon the cross, because of your ability and because of the Father, because of the resurrection moment, at that moment you gave us life and hope. And in Jesus' mighty name, I pray today that as those two men experienced a moment of thankfulness shared by Jesus, that now we thank You, Lord. We give You thanks in all situations, in all circumstances.
And at that moment, there is the breaking of the power of the past of the disappointment in Jesus' mighty name. It is finished in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, let's put our hands together and thank the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 